0: I didn't end up getting in, which was fine. And and then, you know, my dad said something that, honestly, I live by, it's like my motto that I live by today. And he he said, if you don't like where you
1: are, change it. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. So... I'm starting off this new focus on how to create lives of meaning and purpose with a handful of artists and performers. Partially, honestly, because I know so many, but also because so few artists, in this country at least, are able to make a living doing their art. The ones I've been choosing for you are ones who are very conscious of their choices. And they're attempting to make lives where their artistry and their income aren't necessarily the same, but are deliberate and integrated and emotionally and energetically supportive of both endeavors. I think no matter your own path in life, there's a lot to be learned from their journeys in how to create that kind of life. Today's guest, like Sarah Beth Tanner from our last episode, has managed to do it. And this conversation is a treat. As promised, my guest today is Rachel Angus. She's an opera singer and a personal trainer and fitness coach. This woman kicks my butt five days a week and always with a smile on her face and a laugh in her voice, no matter how cranky I am or how much I'm swearing in her direction. I try really hard not to swear at her. She's also an immensely talented performer, whom I've always enjoyed working with, because she's always bringing something new and interesting to the rehearsal process and to the performance. Not to mention, the gorgeous voice! She sings just the tiniest bit in this episode, and that's a shame, because it is worth hearing. Fair warning, we do more giggling than usual in this episode, because Rachel's unpretentious good humor is purely infectious. I know you'll find yourself smiling as you listen. So without further ado, Rachel Angus. Hi. Hi. I'm super excited to be talking to you today. I'm excited to be talking to you today. Like I talk to you almost every day, only different. Oh my gosh, I haven't talked to you in so long. What? It's been like 24 hours?
0: What? Has it been that long?
1: I think it has. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not sorry for that. No, I'm not either. What would you like to tell me about your story? About my story? Oh my gosh. Yeah, like uh, how did you get where you are? <laughs> yeah. Good question. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, because, and, and I'm, I'm asking this kind of facetiously because it's such a big question. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, like
0: in,
1: in the world? Um, I don't know. Well, but, you know, this is partially about how somebody goes about creating a life, mm-hmm.
0: right?
1: And um, I think I know what you're getting
0: at i mean it's it's in no way where i thought that it would be my life um and i mean that Ooh. in the best way possible where did you
1: think you would be now
0: well you know i mean as a singer i feel like you expect one trajectory and then life has a very funny way of humbling you and saying Aww. and saying no nope. We're going to go in this direction. And I think that a lot of times in the moment, you feel like it's the worst thing in the world. Like, oh, I didn't get that young artist program or I'm 32 and I haven't done this yet. But, you know, for example, I didn't get into graduate school the first time I applied. So I took a year off. I moved to Houston. Um, that was a whirlwind of an experience. And then I got into Roosevelt my second turn, uh, my second Round of applying. I didn't apply to them mm-hmm. at first, but um, my second time around I did. And if I didn't do that, if I got into somewhere else the first time around, I wouldn't have met Zach, my husband. Um, I wouldn't have, I don't know, I wouldn't have experienced Chicago, I don't think, where I met you and so many other wonderful people and had so many experiences. And so, you know, it's like a choose your own adventure book. You, there are so many different paths that you can go down. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's uh, it's some things feel terrible in the moment, but they end up working out for the best, which I think is really cool.
1: You are originally from Pennsylvania, <laughs> Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'll say, I say I always get Philadelphia <laughs> and Pittsburgh mixed up, and I don't know why. It's not. I mean, I understand them as cities, and In my mind they're very distinct. But when people tell me they're from one or the other, I'm like. Which one was it again? Okay, so uh, Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Did you do your undergrad in Houston? Is that how you ended up in Texas? No. Um, How did I end up there? My goodness, it feels
0: like forever ago. Uh, So I did my undergrad at Carnegie Mellon, um, and I grew up just outside of the city of Pittsburgh. So I grew up about 45 minutes from from Carnegie Mellon, where I went to school which was nice. You know, I got to, my mom would come in and my mom and I are very close. And so she'd be like, do you want to get lunch today? What college student does not want their mother to take them out for lunch? Like, yes, of course. So she would come in and that was really nice. But yeah, what brought me to Houston? I feel like, cause that's a leap. <laughs> that is quite a leap. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to go to um, at first, my first round of grad school applying uh, to the University of Houston because there was a teacher that I really wanted to study with there. I didn't end up getting in, which was fine. And, and then, you know my dad said something that, honestly, I live by it's like my motto that I live by today. And he he said, "If you don't like where you are, change it. So he didn't get into medical school the first time around. He ended up going to Spain and did his medical career there, and came back. What I know, I know. (laughs) I'm gonna go. You're gonna have a hell of a time editing this. Uh, No,
1: No, this is okay. That's okay. Great. Yep. So, so he did
0: that, and he and he said, "Well, Rachel, do you think I'm any less of a doctor because I didn't get into you know school?" where I wanted to or the first time around? I said, no, of course not. Every, your patients love you. Every You're such a good doctor. Everybody loves you. And he was like, okay, so what makes you think that you're any less of a singer because things didn't work out the way you had planned? So I went to Houston and I studied with that teacher anyway.
1: Nice,
0: because that's what you wanted in the first that's place. That's what I wanted in the first place. So yes, it was, you know- a big moment. And I was, you know, brave and got to do it anyway. But that's not to say that it was easy. Like I had such a huge support system, both emotionally and financially for my family, uh, which gave me the push and the and the security that I needed to do that. And I'm so lucky that I had that and still have that today because I realized not everybody, you know, can, can have that to fall back on. And so... Knowing that, I'm not sure if I would have done that. Maybe I would have and, you know, struck out on my own. I don't know. Um, But, you know, I met some really wonderful people there. And that teacher was awesome. And, you know, whipped my butt into shape to get into grad school the second time. So, you know, it took a little bit longer, but I got to where I wanted to be in the end. Did you know anyone in Houston before you made that leap? Oh, good question. So there was this uh, girl, Alina. And she went to CMU with me, but she switched majors, and um, I think it was after her our freshman year, and she ended up transferring. So we, you know, Facebook is so easy to keep in touch with people nowadays. So even back in, what, 2011, 2012 when this was, God, that feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was. Yeah, right. <laughs> So I looked her up because she was literally the only person I knew who was from Houston. I didn't even know if she was still there. And uh, we hooked up and, you know, um, she was great. She took me under her wing and, and, you know, showed me around. And I met two people, um, two of my friends who I'm still friends with today, um, Allison and Kendall. Oh, my God. They're wonderful people. Kendall, she this is such there's such a small world. So Allison was a singer. Kendall was not. Kendall's grandmother was actually best friends with my grandmother in New Jersey. And we didn't know. We had no idea. Wait.
1: Kendall's grandmother was best friends with with your grandmother.
0: grandmother. So we were talking and I was like, oh, you're from New Jersey. What part? And she said, Red Bank. And I was like, that's odd. My dad's from Red Bank. And we're like, no, it's like this really tiny town. And I was like, oh, yeah, good old like... Danbury Court or something is where my mo- my grandmother used to live. And she death gripped my arm. We were at an Astros game. She death gripped my arm and she said, who is your grandmother? And I told her and she goes, oh, my God, my grandmother is so-and-so. They're best friends. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You know, so life has a very funny way of throwing you into the path of other people. <laughs> And so it was—it was absolutely nuts to make that connection so far away from where we both grew up.
1: That is such a small world, kind of thing. I know. Okay, so then I have to ask because um, uh, my last guest, Sarah Beth, mm-hmm. we were—we're we were talking a little bit about whether or not we believe that things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. Is this one of those things? I don't know how you—how do you feel about that? Oh. I feel like when times are
0: tough, I use that to kind of, I have my mom's voice in my head that says, everything happens for a reason, Rachel. And when you hear it, you like want to punch somebody in the face, right? Especially, especially when like times are hard and you're down on your luck. You're like, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Okay. Can't see that reason. Um, But do I believe it? Uh, I do. I really do. I don't know if that's the optimist in me, but I mean, I think that, oh, we can get really philosophical. Do we have Let's free do will, you know? But yeah, I do think everything happens for a reason. I don't think we always know what that is or will know what that is, but
1: yeah, I do. What did you end up on? Oh, well, I think, I think I ended up, <laughs> we both ended up in a kind of a similar space, which uh-huh. is When looking back it feels like it happened for a reason Mm. but also yes you when somebody says that or when you even when you think that to yourself some you kind of want to punch someone exactly it's a terrible thing to say (laughs) sorry and in some ways it's a terrible thing to believe (laughs) but but there is comfort in it yeah all right so you you got into grad school what was that like getting into grad school Or grad school itself. I mean, getting into grad school, I imagine it's like, yay! It's terror, 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 and then yay! And then you move to Chicago. That's right. And then, I I don't know if a lot of people know what what it takes to be a classically trained singer.
0: Oh, boy. How much time have you got? It is a wild, truly wild ride. Um, that I feel like you are simultaneously over and completely underprepared for. I loved my experience at grad school. I really did. I know that it can always it can be a mixed bag. Um, but I don't know. I mean, oof, where do you even start with that? I think that you you said, um, you know, what was the experience like? What is it? You asked two different questions. You know, what was it like, and what does it take? What does it take? Uh, a lot of self-discipline, a lot of, but especially with um, getting your master in music. I feel like it ha I mean, I'm sure with a, it's similar across many different disciplines, not just music, but from my own experience, it you have to be a self-starter. You're on your own so much in a master's program as opposed to, in an undergraduate setting, uh, in in undergrad, yes, there's still that element of, um, having to be a self-starter and having that discipline, but I feel like you have a lot more support, but with grad school, you got to figure it out. It's like, here are all your deadlines. We assume that, you know, you know, this bare minimum, show me what you got. Mm Mm-hmm. So nobody's holding your hand. No, no. So you really have to figure it out and you can get trapped. Um, so <laughs> there's, there's a lounge at, um, at, at Roosevelt that was right outside of the practice rooms. And I remember a uh, professor, uh, Susan O'Brien, who's freaking amazing. Uh, I remember her saying in her acting class, you can get, and it's, it, it's so true. You can spend your time in the lounge Talking, you know, about people, we're artists, we talk about people all the time. Um, you we're know people we talk about people we, all the time. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and um, you know, hemming and hawing about the work that you can do, or you can turn left, go into the practice room, and put your money where your mouth is. and And she said that very early on, and I think that that was a big turning point. And I was like, oh, okay, I respect her. boom, right out the gate already. So, I want to listen to what she has to say. Like, she's saying this for a reason. So,
1: I'm going to heed her advice. Do you think you had that hustle before? You had that naturally anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I, that just solidified it.
0: Definitely. I don't think I always had the hustle. Um, my teacher in undergrad definitely kicked my butt, especially like sophomore year. Um, I was like, people, yay, this is awesome. Oh, I love undergrad so much. College is so great. And uh, yeah, I think I just, I mean, being the youngest of six when everybody was always around and then as a senior, like emptiness, nobody was home to get to being thrown into college where there's always somebody around. I was Mm -hmm. like, awesome, social butterfly. Let me talk to everybody I can. And then my teacher was like, hey, Rach. We gotta have a little uh Kumbaya moment, and you need to get to work so, so it was some tough love, that's for sure and um she kicked my butt and and uh I don't think gave me that kind of hustle. I think that she just uncovered it a
1: little bit, yeah, revealed it so then there was there's storefront opera, mm-hmm. which I've talked a little bit about in this podcast um it is not easy as we're aware because oh I wish you could see Rachel's oh, sorry, face your <laughs> eyes got really big and she did this really slow shake of her head uh, you wanted to tell me about how it's not easy
0: oh it is <laughs> no. not easy oh you really want me to tell you
1: no I, okay. I, don't, I think it's probably a bit of a minefield that you don't need to walk into um I will tell how it's not easy. The hours are long. they're often a lot of times they're in the suburbs which you have to get to. and often you're work you I mean you have to live because anybody who's ever done storefront theater anywhere knows that it does not pay enough to live. It barely pays anything at all. Right. So while you are, you know, sometimes doing two shows at a time, rehearsing one and performing one, <laughs> exactly you I assume you're also working.
0: Oh yeah. nine to five. I mean, not always, but it, it the when I was in Chicago, that's what I was doing. A, a good old nine to five. Was it office work? what? It was. I was a property administrator for uh, one of the corporate buildings downtown. okay. So I mean, it was I, it was an interesting time. sometimes more interesting than not, but my boss was awesome and I got to work with some really wonderful people. And then, uh, you know, you'd hop on the Metra and buzz out to those suburbs to rehearse a show. It was great.
1: And then get back at 11 o'clock at night. Exactly. (laughs) And then wake up at six and do it all again. It's
0: almost like you you feel like you have two lives. Your corporate office job. And then, you know, it's like, uh, it's like a little kid in timeout. Like, okay, I have to do this. And then all of a sudden, ding, time's up. Let me get on the train.
1: Yay, I get to go play with my friend, friends now. <laughs> and I get to use my my Olympic caliber voice.
0: And you like make up for lost time. So you go especially crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. <laughs> no, and, and this this is what I have always experienced with uh, classically trained singers is that when when y'all have an opportunity to really bring it, it's like it's almost like a race car driver who has been you know driving a little chevy around town (laughs) all day and then suddenly somebody puts them behind the wheel of a racing ferrari and they're like yes thank god vroom it's like everything just opens up and suddenly this magnificence comes out but this this brings up something that we have been talking about a little bit just just you and i in our in our conversations um which is, I think you you recently made a shift to doing personal training. I did. Yes. And as everybody knows, you are my personal trainer. <laughs> Yay! Now. I was your opera, direct, stage director, and now you're my trainer. It's like our roles That's
0: have right. flipped. We're just, you know, like bartering a little bit. There we go, back and forth.
1: What happened? How? What? that that's a shift. I didn't, (laughs) that that was almost (laughs) incoherent. How, what, what led you to that? Yeah, it was quite the shift.
0: Um, so I'm definitely, you know, still pursuing singing, um, kind of first and foremost, although, you know, with pandemic
1: times, it's all kind of crazy, but. Right. Because that, thank you. Because I forgot to, what I wanted to say about this is that this shift is about creating a, a life that is more integrated, that is less, here's my, here's my nine to five when I'm in timeout and oh my God, now I get to play. So that's what inspired that question.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. um, Oh, why the shift? Um, I think it had a lot to do with where I was at the time. Uh, So like I said, I worked with some really wonderful people um, at the property administrator job. As they started to go you know, break off into other roles, whether they left com- the company or, you know, just shifted and they were in a different building. Uh, I found that the, the best part of my work day was we had this beautiful facility, uh, a gym inside the building that I got for free because I worked in the management office, which was great. Oh. Love some free 99. Right. Um, so, so my
1: best the, free 99, free
0: 99. Yeah. It's the best price.
1: Oh, like $3.99 or $4.99 or $5.99, but it's $3.99. $3.99 exactly. <laughs> I've never heard that Really? Before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be using that. Yes, please do. Okay, so your gym, your gym membership is uh, free
0: $3.99. It's $3.99. Um, and I would go down and take classes pretty much every day. And I was like, oh, this, ha- this hour is the best part of my day. So that tells me something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Normally, not normally. You know, a lot of us sometimes when we go to work out, it's not always the our favorite thing. So uh, I think that because I kept thinking about fitness pretty much all the time, and i was I was working on you know getting stronger and losing some weight at the time, Um, so I was on Weight Watchers and going down to the gym. So I was really putting a big focus on um, health. Mm -hmm. and there was this I got to know the gym uh the instructors really well I you know social butterfly right people yay let me talk to you um so I would chat with all the instructors and you know whether it was kickboxing or ripped or you know the the management team because the building management and the gym management would talk to each other a lot um so I'd always go and you know talk to them. And there was one in particular, and it's my ripped, my ripped instructor. So there's, there's a class that I teach, um, with Rachel Angus Fitness, um, that I learned when I was at 181 or when I was at my, um, corporate job and, uh, it's called ripped and you know, it, it's, I do (laughs) know it.
1: Your body knows it. It's like, Oh, uh, no, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) We're recording this on a Friday afternoon and my body is still not entirely recovered. (laughs) From Wednesday night's ripped class. That's true. That's true.
0: But I fell in love with this format and I asked the instructor because she's, she was full of energy, still is. She, I asked her, you know, how do I get into this? Because I pretty much knew at that moment I needed a a change. I wanted to make a shift Mm -hmm. and I was like, eh, why not do fitness? I want to talk to some people and feel it out and see what that's about. And it turns out she was a master trainer for that format. And she was like, oh, it it takes a day. I was like, oh, sweet. That's not hard. So I go to Peoria and get certified. It really did take a day. Uh, it was exhausting and wonderful. And so I had this certification. I was like,
1: all right, great. What do I do with this? What is the certification process like? And this is not certifying to be a personal trainer. This is to take to teach this particular class. Correct. Okay.
0: So uh, this is probably a longer-winded answer than what you want. I
1: like long-winded answers. Yay! They're my favorite.
0: <laughs> so uh, basically, you it's its this total crash course. It starts with us taking te- – um, Hannah teaches the class. Like mm-hmm. top to bottom, we take the, the full class. I, I was talking to um, the RAF class earlier this week, and I said, by the way – I know we do a truncated version, but really, instead of 45 minutes, this is normally like an hour and a half. So we took, unbeknownst to us, the hour and a half version. So we're working out for 90 minutes. And I was like, okay, we're done, right? Because, ow, this is insane. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, and I've done more activity than I did, I don't know, in the past five days. Like, oh, no.
1: No, no, no. We're not done yet.
0: And so we go through form and, you know, what the class is all about and how it's generally thrown together. It's not just thrown together. I mean, so basically, um, I don't create the workouts. they're They're given to me by the ripped gods, you know, um,
1: <laughs> basically like Apollo well, Zeus thinking, himself. yeah, exactly. I'm thinking Greek statues <laughs> with their with their muscles and their nudity, really, just
0: Tina and Terry. They're the founders of Rip. They're wonderful. Um, (laughs) And then the instructors learn it and teach it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's really just trying to learn how to teach. And that was my, just getting my feet wet. And so I actually got hired to teach Rip because they really wanted to bring the the gym that I was associated with um, and had worked out in for so long, they hired me on. Oh, that's great! Yeah, and so they were—they're in a bunch of corp. It's called Lifestar. They're in a bunch of gyms in the Chicago area, in um, okay, or in corporate buildings. Sorry, not gyms.
1: So you're still working at the? Oh the, no, I quit the management place. Oh okay, I quit.
0: I quit. Was I, I said goodbye. Are you doing this on your lunch yeah. hour? <laughs> no, no, that'd be wild. <laughs> I'm good, but I'm not that good. So, so I quit. I ended up. um teaching ripped. And then they said, do you want to teach other formats? I was like, I'm not certified to do that. And they're like, you can do it. I was like, all right. And so I, and really you do what you know. I've been taking all of these classes for the better part of, you know, three years. So I just picked and, and chose what I really like to do. I was like, boot camp, you got it. You want to hit class? I got you. And I just fell into the to it that way until finally the manager of the gym uh, was like, hey, Rachel, have you ever thought about doing a personal training certification? I was like, no, I'm a singer. I'm not going to do this for like a career. That's crazy. And they're like, you can create your own hours. I mean, it's, you know, just think about it. Well, I thought about it.
1: I see that that's the draw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about what you, what, what made you think, yes, I will do this. It's like, I could create my own hours.
0: Exactly. Uh, so I signed up in March to take my test. And well, I, I signed up to take the course in March of 2020. Early
1: March, like March 2nd. That's when you're taking the course or that's when you signed up? That's when I signed up. So, okay.
0: so so what happened two weeks later? Oh, great. Yes, pandemic was in full swing. Um, So luckily I was doing this class. It's all online. It was all like self-starter, which I learned from singing. I see how all of these dovetail. Um, mm-hmm. So much of all the fitness world just – it's all the skills that I learned with opera stuff.
1: Like all the discipline skills yeah. or – Or Because one thing that people may not know about classical singing is that, this is like operatic singing, is that it's a full body experience. Absolutely. So to me, it's a really natural, a natural thing to be, you went from this kind of focus on your body to to fitness. Exactly. And it's performing. It is totally
0: performing. Um, You know, I study my score or create my workout. And off we go. You know, three, two, one, curtain. Dear listeners, you missed the jazz hands there. Curtain, jazz hands, <laughs> jazz hands. That's right. I'm like, all oh, right, radio. Oh, podcast. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. It really was a natural transition. Um, it scared the heck out of me. Oh, I saw a t-shirt the other day when I was running and it said, um, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so and I was like who i I was running with Zach and i- and I said, Oh, well, my dreams scare me shitless, so uh, I think they're too big. I don't know what do you think <laughs> you you were having this conversation as you were running? Yes, and what did he say? Uh, he, he was like, I got the same dreams, yep, mm-hmm. we're all scared. We got it. <laughs> keep running, keep running, keep running,
1: <laughs> just keep swimming, just keep swimming
0: exactly." Oh, so at this point, I don't even know if I answered your question. Um, <laughs> no, it was a really natural transition. Um, and I, I really love what I do. I think that um, I love that you said about singers who who treat it as like an, an Olympic athlete. Um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you have to have that dedication and you have to have, oh, my goodness, that body awareness. Mm hmm. I love that you taught me that first and now I'm reminding you of it twice a week.
1: I wait, there's no way that I taught you that first.
0: Well, I feel like you know, you know what clicked though? I think you did the um uh, were you the one who said about the the
1: gold ball, the ball of light? <gasps> yes.
0: Yeah, I think about that all the time.
1: The tree of life meditation.
0: Yes, before auditions, like okay, you're rooted. Okay, it's in your feet. I did that before every audition. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. And oh. I and I will continue to do that. I think it's a really great exercise and talk about grounding you and and just getting you to calm down
1: before mm-hmm. you enter the room. Ah, oh, it was great. No, it's phenomenal. Um, ooh, maybe I'll walk. You know what, listeners. I will walk you through the tree of life meditation at the end of this episode. That is my promise to you. You were talking about this meditation and um, talking about how it it grounds you. When we're going about creating a life and reaching for big, scary dreams, that can be the opposite of grounding. (laughs) That can be like, "Ah, what am I doing? And instead of being like, really really still and calm about it we can be very ratcheted and very like uh, up in our n- tight necks and what what keeps you grounded through this through life through singing through yes <laughs> all the above oh my goodness or if there, I mean if there's a difference if there are things that are different that'd be very interesting
0: Ah, oh, that's a good point I'm not sure if they're different what keeps you grounded? <laughs> Good question. No, um, I think my family really keeps me grounded. Mm-hmm. Anytime I am having an issue, well, either way, either end of the spectrum, right? If there's something that's really bothering me or something that I want to celebrate, I call a family member. And luckily I have many of those. We're all really close. It's awesome. Um, family really grounds me. As much as I don't want to admit it, while he's here in the room, my husband really grounds me when I'm feeling all kinds of crazy. Well, you met in grad school, yes? We did, yeah. Aw, that's sweet. And it's it's nice to have somebody who understands what you're going through um, yeah. with the business. Yeah. So so it's like okay, whether it's putting a situation into perspective, like hey, I didn't, you didn't get any auditions this season, or you know whatever it might be. Or just having somebody who will listen to you, mm-hmm. either way, it gets it out. You've said your piece, and then you can move on with it. So other I, f- I find a lot of my footing through the people who are closest to me, and a lot through activity.
1: Well, I was just gonna ask that. does do you find that the the workouts and the teaching are actually grounding?
0: Absolutely. Because I, I
1: used to find I found that teaching was grounding for me, and I was wondering if you had a similar experience.
0: Uh, yes, I think that it f- it first started when I first found out that activity really grounds me. When was that? It was in so I don't think I realized how I was using it until I went to therapy. I crazy amounts of anxiety. I mean, I still have it, but you know now I can manage it. It's great. Therapy for all. I think that it's not talked about enough. And I think that everybody should do therapy because it's absolutely wonderful. Holy crap! Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But
1: don't don't disagree, <laughs> right?
0: Uh, and my therapist, she said, "Oh, well, do you do you find that activity helps with your anxiety?" And I never put two and two together, but every time I, you know, felt super anxious, I'd be like, I felt like a caged animal. I was like, I have to, mm-hmm. I have to go for a walk. I have to move. I have to do something. And it's still true today. Even if I don't, if I'm on vacation, which, hello, how long, what is vacation? Um, (laughs) Oh, that's so true. (laughs) If I'm not moving, if I haven't gotten in a good workout for three days, I feel weird. I feel like that caged animal. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I am twitchy and uncomfortable. Exactly. I'm like, oh, I have to move. Like I know it. I know, I know more of myself now through that experience. Um, and I am, I'm not a runner by any stretch of the imagination. But when, with the weather being nice and the, the trail, there's a really beautiful tra- trail that's close. Running, though I am very slow and not that great at it, is super grounding. It's both grounding and uplifting.
1: Oh, tell me more
0: um especially if i especially about the
1: uplifting part oh yeah i was gonna (laughs) say about the uplifting part because i am not a runner and i do it occasionally because i've done a handful of triathlons um and i hate it i hate it all (laughs) right right (laughs) so i want give me give me inspiration (laughs) Rachel.
0: (laughs) what is uplifting about Um, running (laughs) well you know there i won't get into the to the types of um Energy that you have going on in your body when you when you push through with a workout—that's boring. But if you can push through enough, endorphins kick into place. Like it's actually a physiological phenomenon. Honestly, I mean it's science, but that happens when you do any kind of physical activity. But like a runner's high—it it is true.
1: Oh, I've I experienced it once. <laughs> once. No, once. Uh, The very first race I ever did was the Honolulu Marathon. (gasps) Because I'm nuts like that. (laughs) And we were doing our one, I think it was our last training run. And it was a a full 26 miler. Because that's not usual in a training program, but they wanted us to know that we could do it because most of us were beginners. And I finally achieved that runner's high that you're talking about On mile 23. Wow. Five hours in. (laughs) That's the only time I've experienced it. And it was amazing. It was completely amazing because I suddenly felt like I could run. I was like, I could do this forever. Yes. All the pain went away. All the doubt, all the the fear, and the I'm and the trudging through it suddenly disappeared, and it was like I was Mercury with with wings on my heels, and I felt like I was forty pounds lighter, and was just you know the the uh, chariots of fire theme song oh, was going on. Exactly, and that's exactly what happened, and I think uh, there was. There was a young man I was running with as part of his training program, and I think he experienced the same thing at the same time. Oh, wow, so we were both like, you know chariots of fire running by the beach, and the lake was really on our right side and it it lasted for like ten minutes oh, almost wow. to the end of the run uh, <laughs> almost but yeah, so that's the only time I've experienced a runner's high from running <laughs> five hours later. Amazing. So is this, this is something that you get from like your your basic 30 minute run? I think that when you
0: let go of your expectations of yourself, then what, what is is that? How do you do that? Uh, And from the run, I don't like you right now. (laughs) What's happening? I think when you let go of those expectations, like I have to do this in this much time. Oh, or or like that's, it's all about self-talk oh, I can't believe that I I am not going faster. I can't believe I'm getting tired right now. If you just let it go, I
1: know you want to like, let it go, let it go. I think I think that you can achieve it. I really do. Well, maybe that's been my problem is that I go out knowing I'm going to have a bad time. And so I do. It's all about mindset. I'm going to pivot a little bit, but yeah. it's, it's part, it, it it comes naturally out of this, I think. Part of... My hypothesis and part of what I'm, I'm kind of exploring with this podcast is that when we go about really actively creating a life, that it's often from, from the things that are beautiful and true for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And my, my working definition of beautiful is anything that uplifts us mm-hmm. and true is anything that grounds us. I like that. And when we're talking about like the beautiful and true, it is the handful of things in our lives that both ground and uplift. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I, I saw you nodding a, a second ago. Does that resonate for you? Like the creation of a life that is both singing and fitness and physicality and activity? Absolutely. I always thought that, you know, your day
0: job and your, I don't even want to say side hustle because singing is definitely not a side hustle. It takes everything you've got. Um, it's a front hustle. It's a front hustle. Yeah. Uh, I always thought that your day, your day job was just something that you had to do and had to get through to support until you've made it, whatever that means for, and that, that means different things to every person. But I think with all of the fitness stuff and creating my own schedule and creating your own life, as as you so beautifully put it, um, I think that they can actually enhance one another. And I think that when you get to that point and, and... let go of some of those expectations of what you feel like you should be doing. Like when you compare yourself to others and what they're doing, which is the thief of joy. And i was just going to say that. that, Yes. (laughs) Um, Once you, once you start to let some of that stuff go and just say, you know what, to hell with what everybody else expects of me or what I think they expect of me. I just got to do what's right for me. So if that is supporting myself through something that I really love doing, with fitness and in order to support my singing and vice versa. I think it's really cool when they can work. Oh, uh, what do I want to say? Work both ways. It's almost like, instead of it being like one flows into the other, like one is in support of the other. It's almost like a kiddie pool where they can all like, um, the waves go back and forth, right? So your your singing is going in one direction and then it bounces off the side and goes the other way and then melts into the fitness stuff. And the fitness stuff, you know, it's being supported by the singing stuff and then hits the edge and then goes the other way. So I, I think it's cool if they can live in harmony with one another.
1: I was thinking about, because you were doing a, a pendulum motion with your hand and as you were doing it, I could see you you struggling with that thought because it's not entirely... Just a back and forth. No. No. One is here and one is here. I like the kiddie pool analogy because the waves are it's all the same pool. And it it drives every wave drives the next one. Mm-hmm. And hmm, that's nice. As other people are thinking about trying to create a life, and and I'm I've been doing that myself mm-hmm. lately. And I have to say, for years and years I felt like I was kind of wandering at life Mm -hmm. like if an opportunity presented itself was like okay great I will follow that and and I believe in that to some degree but I'm also coming to believe that you you have to do both you have to follow the sparkly I like that but you also have to do it with some intentionality okay oh you're thinking I'm
0: thinking I know Rachel's thinking face trademark
1: all right, so you have been describing how you are creating an integrated life. Mm-hmm. I imagine that during that process there have been times when you have been absolutely discouraged or even scared. I mean, and you're talking you talked about the t shirt and 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 feeling scared. And you don't have to go into those moments, but what advice would you give for somebody who is struggling Oof. with that? Oh boy! Like a, a moment, a moment of real discouragement, uh, or or where they don't know it. Two two questions. If somebody doesn't know what the next right step is, what would you tell them? And then the second question. Let's say they know what the right next step is, but they're scared to take it. What then? Oh, terrible question! No, no. The second
0: question is actually way easier than the first. Okay, let's start there. Oh Lord, because I feel like Zach and I ask ask each other this question once every like three months. Am I am I good? Am I doing the right thing? Like, do you think I can do it? And like instinctually, you know, but it's so nice to hear it from somebody else. Not just for the right answer, because I am fully prepared that if I'm really not in it or doing. The work anymore that zach will say maybe in in the most respectful way let's pivot let's figure out something else for you to do um and i'm like no and i he does the same thing to me and he's like no really like do you think i can do it and we both say yes absolutely because we believe in each other's talent and and hard work and and mm-hmm. uh, we're very honest with each other but in those moments, we're very vulnerable, and at the bottom of the at the bottom of the valley, right? And I feel like this happens with singers, you know. Like I said, like once every three months, <laughs> it comes in quarters, for sure. And I think that, oh man, I even forgot what your questions were. And I just was like, so the
1: the, the two questions were. If if somebody doesn't know what the next right step is. Yeah but the one you're answering is the second one. Is what do you do when you're discouraged or oh, when or you scared. know what you, you know when what the right scared. next step is and you're scared. And it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like what you're saying is have somebody who is kind, kind, perceptive, and and can be honest with you mm-hmm. to to talk things through with.
0: Exactly. So definitely having people in your corner, the corner doesn't have to be big. In fact, it kind of shouldn't be right. You should surround yourself with the people that you really trust the most. Um, but if you're looking for something, you know, within yourself, I think that if you're scared, you're doing it right. You care about it. I'd be worried if you weren't scared. If you know what to do and you're scared about it, it's I bet
1: you it's going to be big. Like it's the right thing to do. So the first thing is to just recognize that scared is good.
0: Yeah. Lean into it. Okay. And then what? (laughs) Good question. Okay. My fear is good, but I'm still really afraid. Now what? Do it first. If you look at a to-do list and you're like, oh, I'm apprehensive about these things. Do them first. Yeah. Just dive in. If you fail, you have your corner in, you know, there to help you
1: but oh man, dive in and do it first. So a couple people in your corner Mm -hmm. and then just do it. I
0: mean, like like Nike. (laughs) I I think it all stems from when my dad had said, if you don't like where you are, change it. Okay, I don't like where I am. I know I need to change it, but what do I do next? I'm scared. Oh man, try something. As long as you're not going to like, hurt
1: yourself or others in any way, why not? Just try it. Okay. So then you just answered the first one. Oh, great. When you don't know what the next right step is, do something. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like what you're saying is, is action is, is, is better than inaction. Yes. Most of the time. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put words in your mouth and say action is always No, better. no, 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 no.
0: I, I, yeah. It reminds me a lot of, you know, blocking a show. I don't care what you do. Just do something. We'll fix it later. Just do some make a choice.
1: Oh, thank you so many performers. <laughs> so many performers don't do that and this is one of the reasons why I loved working with you. Get up on that chair.
0: We'll have somebody to catch you and be dramatic
1: that's right i put you on a you chair you did to sit, to sit in your big <laughs> aria that was not fair of me
0: no are you kidding that was so much fun i was sweating but it was fun until someone says uh hey jen i can't do that and sing at the same time then they're like all right cool let's try something else
1: but you tried it well exactly um because it's all it's all just an experiment mm-hmm. and we're all just trying to and i'm talking right now i'm talking specifically about directing a show but I think it's also life. We're just trying to find the 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 best fit for ourselves and the rest of the show. What is what is the best fit for the people that we're working with? What is the the best way that the this group of people can collaborate to create this story? Absolutely. But that's kind of life too. The more I talk to people about creating a life, the more that, and this is this focus has is fairly new at least in terms of the podcast but i've been talking about this a lot mm-hmm. for my whole life without meaning to and almost everybody talks about it like an experiment oh yeah they, they, they hold on to their own lives fairly loosely they care about them deeply but if one thing doesn't work out uh sarah beth talked about looking for the next signpost oh that's cool or that life is a little garden that you're wa- that you're wandering through, and occasionally a flower will start to glow a little bit, and that's your flower.
0: Oh gosh, I'm glad I didn't listen to that though, because then I would
1: have been like
0: oh, so trying to be all wise and stuff, and I'm just not all
1: wise. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. First of all, comparison is the thief oh, of joy. Dang, using my words against <laughs> me. Always. <laughs> but but second. You're talking about the same thing. Yeah. yeah sure. you're, you're talking about, it's an experiment. Go go try something. Mm-hmm. If you don't like where you are, try something. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, fine. Try something else. And you're never done, right? You're never like, okay, I created my life.
0: Okay, now what?
1: That's a very good point. That it's a constant act of creation. That's exciting. I mean,
0: it is exciting. And scary. Right. I mean, I think that there are some things that can be set, can be settled, but you can always do something else. (laughs) Spoken, spoken like a a millennial with no kids. Hey.
1: (laughs) Well, and I was, I was thinking, but we've been talking about Zach and like, well, some things, (laughs) if it it doesn't work out, I'll just try something else.
0: (laughs) I didn't mean like the institution of marriage. I am very happily married. Thank you very much.
1: no i know i'm just teasing i I know you're very happily married it's cute super cute zach's probably
0: in the other room like uh
1: should i be worried like what's happening oh no if i've sent you into the need for marriage counseling because of this conversation he's downloading tinder as we speak i'm just kidding oh that's a bit much i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm totally kidding i know you are i forgot you're like no. i forgot your listeners don't know who i am so i'm like oh wait <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I, I i am the queen of awkward segues <laughs> yes but one of the things i i want to ask you about and i don't i don't always ask this but i think it'd be very interesting to hear from you i want to talk about like a moment of beauty that just absolutely caught you stopped you in your tracks
0: Oh, man. Uh, Immediately, what comes to mind is my wedding weekend. It was the coolest thing to have so many people from different parts of your life come together and all get along. It was crazy. I was like, this shouldn't happen, right? Like, this is weird. This is weird. And it's totally weird. Um, I I just thought that that was the coolest thing. just, I think that two moments in particular really stick out. Mm-hmm. One was our rehearsal dinner. Uh, there's a really beautiful Scottish tradition. And of course, I'm going to mess it up and not know what it is. But it's basically like welcoming the the new wife into um, like the the family but as like a matriarch it's like the matriarchy it's very cool and um so it's like
1: the women of the family
0: do this they yes and so there's like this beautiful sash and the pin that's that's um at the end was actually um aunt chris's in in the family and she just turned 101 and so, and and my mother-in-law had tears in her eyes and I don't think I've ever seen her cry before. And I was like, and, and so did my sister-in-law. And I was like, oh, this is big. You know, it's just like, this is a big moment. Like, they love me. Like, they're welcoming me into their family. My whole family is sitting here. And it was just, it was so, it was breathtaking. I almost don't have words for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that moment. And... <laughs> When I knew what our ceremony was going to look like, you plan it, you know what everything is, you know what's supposed to happen, but until you actually step into the aisle, you're like, "Oh, this is different." And uh, we got married on like a on a beach kind of thing, like it's sand and you know (laughs) sand, you know sand is on a beach, and um, I'm
1: familiar with yes, you're
0: familiar with (laughs) sand. Um, You know, I took my dad's arm and I, I nervous isn't the right word. I was so excited. I like, oh, I couldn't even contain myself. And my dad's walking me down the aisle. And of course he does this with all the girls, but he like says something to you that makes you want to cry. And you're like, dad, I just did my makeup. Great. Thank you so much. So he says that. And then I'm like, okay, keep it together. Keep it together. And I look up and I see Zach who is beaming and you can see the most, it's an awesome picture. It's I think on his Facebook, it's like the, his cover photo. But his smile, he has extra teeth. Like he grew extra teeth for, for that very moment. It was like, and that was like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. It was so cool. Mm. Like I didn't even see, uh, yes, I knew all the people were there, but it was just like truly melted away. Boom. Hubs. Aww.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hubs. This is one of the things I enjoy most about you is you're telling this beautiful story. And then I ruined it. It's really poignant. No, you don't. <laughs> you make it perfect <laughs> by doing something unexpected and silly. <laughs> Hubs. Boom. Hubs. Hubs. <laughs> well, that's lovely. Yeah. That is just
0: I couldn't pick I couldn't pick the moment. So those those couple moments.
1: I think that's the that's the wedding experience that everybody wants. Yeah. And I wonder how many people actually get it. Oh, uh, good question. I hope I hope more than I'm thinking. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. I don't know. I have no idea. Letting go of expectations. Well, and I think that's the last bit of advice that you would give, perhaps, to somebody.
0: Oh, totally. Who's
1: creating a life. Let go of the expectations.
0: Oh, my God. If I could, if I could go back and slap 20-year-old Rachel, 17, 18-year-old Rachel. Oh, God. That was dumb. Let go of expectations. Also, focus up, girl.
1: Come on. <laughs> mine would mine would be. Oh my god! Stop taking everything so seriously, and quit being so arrogant. <laughs> oh. oh no, I was, I was not a pleasant <laughs> teenager. Anyway, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> That's a different episode. That's a different episode. This <laughs> will be my solo episode. I'm gonna <laughs> tell you about what I was like as a teenager. It's your one woman yeah. show. No God, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> Trust me. Nobody wanted to be around it. I mean, that's not true. I had like I had really close friends that are still some of my best friends to this day. But um my my family does not let me live down how obnoxious I was at that time in my life. <laughs> um so I wanna be respectful of your time, oh, although I'm absolutely loving this. Tell me about the picture you sent me. <gasps>
0: It is a picture of my parents, um, and it's right before their vow renewal.
1: And how long have they been married?
0: 30, at this point, 33 years. Yes. Mm. I'm 32. That makes sense. Okay. They were just beaming. They are beaming in that photo, and um, they dealt with so much that when – we as kids, we were growing up, like, we had no idea. We didn't know. Uh, and I don't think we ever will or, you know, that we do now. But so my my, my story is kind of crazy. My mom was married before she had kids. My dad was married before he had kids. They got together and had me. And so all of my brothers and sisters are half, though. We're all very uh, close. We don't differentiate. Um but you know, I mean, that could not have been easy having to having to um, raise a a blended family. Mm-hmm. So getting all that right, that alone, holy crap! Ha- putting a baby into the mix, and then finding the time to foster your connection and your love for one another. And so the fact that they were. They're so happy and so excited and even more in love today than they were probably the first time they met is just the most beautiful and true thing that I could ever think of in my life. And so them looking at them for their vow renewal, which we didn't, I didn't go to. So they just did it with another couple, um, in South Carolina where they retired. So they're there now and it's where we got married actually. Um, so they and my mom has on like a little bird cage veil and my mm-hmm. and my dad's in a suit and they just look so happy and so cute. They do. They're the best.
1: I mean they are there absolutely just beaming. Uh your your mom looks very put together.
0: She is very but very she's happy. A very, she's a very put together lady.
1: And your dad is just is is beaming and looks kind of goofy. He's that, like this that, is exciting. Those are the,
0: that's the epitome of my parents, Jen. Like you, you hit the nail on the head right there.
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh, well, this is, I mean, this is the hope that we all have, right? That we could be, could be so happy with our partners Mm -hmm. uh, years and years later and just excited to renew. Hmm. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for talking with me.
0: Oh, thanks for having me on. This is fun.
1: Thank you for doing this. I've really, I really loved hearing this story because oh. I, I knew parts of it. I, I've known parts of your story, but I haven't been able to connect them. Mm-hmm. And this is, this has just been a treat. <gasps> Thank you for me too. Do you, is there anything that you want to say? Like any last words of wisdom for my listeners? And that they don't have to be, this is a question that might really backfire.
0: Oh my gosh. Any words of wisdom? <laughs> Support the arts, man. Support the arts. And shop small.
1: Again, a huge thank you to Rachel Angus for taking the time to talk with me, especially because we literally do see each other five times a week these days. If you were charmed and inspired and want to know more about her fitness classes and training sessions, you can visit rachelangusfitness.com. That's Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, Angus, like the steak fitness.com and if you sign up for any service use the code beautiful20 for 20 percent off whether you have equipment or no equipment whether in your 20s or in your 70s rachel will design a program specifically to help you work toward your fitness and health goals and i can tell you from personal experience it works i am stronger and feel better than i have felt in years Again, that's rachelangusfitness.com and use the code BEAUTIFUL20 for 20% off. I am going to get to the promised Tree of Life meditation, but first, a pitch of my own. I very much hope that you're finding inspiration and encouragement in these conversations. And if you're still listening, I suspect you might be. If that's the case, I would love your support in a couple of ways. If you can... I would love you to become a patron on Patreon. A monthly contribution of even $1 per episode goes a long way to helping me keep bringing you these stories. But wait, there's more. A contribution at any level will get you access to a regular newsletter in which I'll give you stories from all over that are beautiful and true, inspiring and encouraging. Plus, haha, I'll be posting a terrible drawing of a moment from each episode. I promise you, they will be laughably bad and probably highly entertaining, if only for how bad they are. So please, if you can, go to patreon.com and search for The Beautiful and True Project, or for me, Jennifer Cox. You are also welcome to donate to the project on my website, beautiful-true.com. Like I said, even $1 per episode helps a lot. But there are other ways to contribute. If you are finding inspiration or encouragement in these conversations, please tell even one friend about them or post a link to your favorite episode on social media. These stories are worth hearing, and I need your help to get the word out. As always, thank you for listening. It means the world to me, and I hope that each and every one of you is finding ways to create lives of meaning, purpose, and joy. And now, as promised, the Tree of Life Meditation. Close your eyes and take a moment to, to settle into your body. If you are standing, take a moment to feel your feet on the floor. If you're seated or lying down, take a moment to feel your body touching whatever surface it's touching. Take a nice inhale and, and release it with an exhale. Let's do that one more time. Inhale, release, exhale. Now, imagine that there is a golden ball of warm light just behind your solar plexus. It's kind of right above your belly button. And if you can, imagine it not with your thoughts, but like a five-year-old. Remember when you were five and you would play pretend and you would play pretend with your whole being and your whole body and you could feel everything like that? Try and feel that warm ball of golden light tucked right behind your solar plexus and then when you've got it see if you can give it a gentle nudge down into your belly and let that warmth spread all over your belly all through your hips the back of your pelvis. Feel it warm and relaxing. And then allow that ball to drift down into your legs. Down through your thighs. into your knees, feel the warmth in all the tendons of your knees. And then give it another nudge and let that golden ball of warm light move downward through your calves and chins to your ankles. to the very bottoms of your feet. And now allow that golden ball of light to travel into the floor or the ground. At least six inches And when you can feel it there, allow it to open up and unfurl in every direction all around you, like the roots of a willow tree, spreading in each direction. And now like the roots of a tree, Allow that spread to pull energy back into that golden ball under your feet, six inches. And then once you've got it, nudge it upward, back into your feet, through your ankles, up your shins, To your knees. Up your thigh bones. Into your hips. Your belly. And then it let it let it come to rest. Behind your solar plexus again. Now take a deep breath in, inhale and gently exhale. And now we're going to nudge it upwards. Let that golden ball of warm light move up behind your sternum. Feel the warmth spread across your collarbones and up your shoulders, up the back of your neck, to the crown of your head, and then let that golden ball of light reach up out of your head. It lifts up and hovers six inches above your head. where it unfurls like the branches of a willow tree. The branches touch the ground, which touch your roots, which draw energy into six inches below your feet, a golden ball. And then it rises up through your feet, your ankles, your knees, up your thighs, your pelvis and belly, up into your chest, up the back of your neck, out the top of your head to your branches, to your roots, to six inches under your feet, to your knees, to your belly, to your heart. To up the back of your neck, out the top of your head to your branches, your roots, your knees, your belly, your heart. Up the back of your neck to your branches, roots, ankles, knees, belly, heart, back of the neck, top of the head, to the branches, to the roots stand feeling that all-encompassing sphere of energy inhale and exhale one more time inhale and exhale when you are ready you can flutter your eyes open and hopefully Take that feeling of tallness and warmth and ease throughout the rest of your day. I learned this Tree of Life meditation from a book, I believe by Starhawk. I spent some time studying and looking into Wicca, and there were some really amazing meditative practices that I learned, but this one in particular, I use it all the time when I'm feeling nervous or unsettled. And over time, if you practice it, it becomes very quick. Just you, shoom, drop straight into your roots, then whoop, up through the top of your head to your branches, to your roots, and suddenly you're standing taller, you're breathing easier, you're feeling confident and caring. I find it to be very opening. And I hope That you got something out of it too. Have a great rest of your day.